I need to go to a concert with you once, Brandon, and just see what your hand movements are during a live show. <laughs> I would love to see you at a show. Depends what it depends what show. Have you ever seen Coolio live? No. I guess that's never gonna happen. <laughs> Maybe in the metaverse. Hologram, baby. Come with me, Rich. Welcome, everyone, to episode 126 of the Light Shed Podcast. Brandon Ross, Walter Pysik, and from the West Coast, y'all, <laughs> Richard Greenfield. As as that Great was, city of San Francisco. As, as that was playing, I was imagining you, Rich, just driving down the Pacific Coast Highway with your driving gloves on, your gray hair blowing in the wind really midlife crisis thing and kind of <laughs> he touches his hair to make but sure in that's in that same red convertible but uh, yeah that, exactly. that coolio uses in exactly. his video when he's and, sitting there and rapping to himself like the guy in office space who you know the guy who's commuting to work in office space who's like rapping in the car with his head bobbing it's just like that, wrench on the, the peacock cock let me take that image one step further can you imagine him coming off the bridge from marin <laughs> He's pulling into a street and one of the local residents comes and just attacks him and sticks a, a traffic cone on his head. And he gets out to chase him <laughs> to really get like, that San Francisco. I imagery. mean, there people have been getting mugged in many different ways in San Francisco. Someone, the weapon of choice at least once had to be a traffic cone and it would just be a perfect dunce cap compliment. I think it would work with your complexion, Rich. Can you just imagine him with the, the dust cap behind? down over his eyes? He's like staggering around like, uh, what was it in that thing where, uh, uh, where he gets hit by the dart in that movie? <laughs> yeah, this is awesome, man. Stepping in shit that's all over San Francisco. Not dog shit, by the way. Yeah, human, <laughs> human feces. As I had to avoid when I was can there two weeks that, ago. Can we somehow make that meme like an animated meme and have that happen? That would well, now, be, now that sure we have Olivia sure on the Olivia team, she can, on that. I think that she could make it and we'll post it with, along with Rich's slide, slide, slippity slide hand movements um, to social media or something. But let's get... No, no, no uh, hold on. Wait, wait. I, I, but you don't want to get started? Of, don't, what is don't the point you, of driving, <laughs> driving gloves? I don't get it. Why? That's What's a driving gloves? It's like yeah, a boom. Because you're gripping the you're gripping the wheel so tight, Rich, as you whip around those corners that you don't want to get calluses. <laughs> Rich, okay. we know you have driving shoes. <laughs> I don't even we know, know what you, to do with We that. know you have driving sh- moccasins for sure. Uh, driving uh, moccasins. <laughs> He's already had those purchases. Like his his, okay. his wife made them buy made him buy them when he bought that house in Westport. <laughs> it was it was part of the deal. 
Thanks for giving everyone my address, Brandon. That's great. Oh, do you want the address? All right. <laughs> let's <laughs> just get just give it to the apes. They already know where I live. Yeah, apparently. All right, let's get started because I know you're uh, going to be on stage in like an hour. Um, what do we got first here? Why don't you read it out, Walter? Because it looks like it's Apple, and that is the Walt domain. This must be someone from Bloomberg, Ed Ludlow, breaking on the terminal, which is a Bloomberg device, which is a very expensive Bloomberg device. Apple is backing off plans to increase production of its new iPhones this year after an anticipated surge in demand failed to materialize. Scoop! So these things happen kind of every year. Sometimes they come out of Morgan Stanley. Sometimes they come over, <laughs> and the hit ratio on them is, is actually relatively um, low. But with that said... We all know that we're experiencing pain in the market. Apple has actually held up fairly well. So it's kind of like the last um, the last strong stalwart out there standing. It's been taking a hit over the last two days. First of all, the stock evaluation on this thing relative to historical levels is, is obviously very high. The question is, are people in potentially a global economic weak um, situation going to buy $1,200 phones? I actually thought, by the way, that these new Samsung, and I think we talked about this before, that people would flip to the Samsung. Not happening. I think people still want to buy their iPhones. It's the important, the most important device in their life. But I think what you'll hear out of the wireless operators when they report Q3 in the next couple of weeks is those upgrade rates that have been slowly creeping up year on year may not be creeping up as much in the fourth quarter. And even the promotions wow. that, that these guys announced were fine they weren't bad but they weren't really super aggressive and then of course you have what's going on overseas where they had to increase price you've got currency issues so i mean apple is definitely going to face their challenges for a stock that a is not that cheap empirically relative to its historic norm and has been holding up while the rest of the market has been getting crushed so why are like why are the upgrade offers not as aggressive like what would be the concept if you're t-mobile or verizon for less aggressive upgrades i think they a they cost money um but b if everyone does them there's just less differentiation in what you're offering it's still important for you as a wireless operator in in this market at least to get people on phone payment plans because that's what's going to prevent them from churn that's what keeps churn low but it's just at some point if everyone like att was the first and then basically t-mobile and and verizon replicated them so there's no incremental benefit at the moment and most importantly, like, look, Verizon's basically ripped off the Band-Aid. They're not adding subs. But what you're going to see in Q3 is they increase. Remember, they increased price back in May. They lost some customers. There was some churn, a couple hundred thousand. But that revenue growth is going to jump up because those price increases actually flow through. So I think you're just seeing kind of the evolution in the market right now. So maybe you don't have that upgrade cycle. And frankly, like, you know. Was there really anything that innovative about this iPhone 14? I mean, satellite connectivity for emergency usage, was it really that innovative? So people are going to hold on to, to phones, maybe the same amount, or, or maybe you'll see an inversion again on the uh, on the. Well, maybe, maybe hold on a little bit longer, too, if you're a little bit more worried about the economy and sort of just overall inflation outlook. Like, I mean, look, for me, a little I was... bit more pause. I, I mean, Rich, I know you get your a new phone every year and you like to flex that you get it nice and early. Me, me too. I'm picking mine up tomorrow. <laughs> My phone is two years old. I was ready to I get went it. red this year. No, you didn't. Your case is red. The case is red. Yeah. Bro, this is how you have to roll. 
no know, case. You just live dangerously. It's crazy. <laughs> look at look at the back of my thing. But you know what I'm going to do? I have Apple Care Plus, so I'm going to get a brand new phone and trade in the brand new phone, and then I'll be on to purple, just like Barney. And I, for, uh, I'm waiting for Dish to launch. <laughs> it's time for me. I mean, I think I might move the family to Verizon because the the deals on FiOS are so good. By the way, I think FiOS is probably this is more problems for LTS. FiOS, you're, I think saying, probably, you're saying for for wireline you're t- saying no yeah, yeah, yeah bundled bundled well, hold on. The, bundle, for the bundle bundling yeah, no, no, for everything right, bundling is the future so if i have at t okay. and i switch to i already have fios so if i switch to over my my at t over to, to verizon my my broadband bill just drops to whatever it is 35 bucks i think you're probably going to see some of this this quarter in terms of decent fios numbers because of that price that bundling um, opportunity that that Verizon is is providing. So, but I'm also going to get Dish. Once D- Dish has got to be launching soon, I would hope in the next couple of months, and hopefully they'll be a very attractively priced in the market, and you, we won't have the same um, issue that um, you had when you tried to sign up with Altis earlier, where they had fulfillment issues. But then you made me sign up for T-Mobile. T-Mobile. And I've been on T-Mobile, so now I got to switch been- again. No, no, I've you been can very say happy. Anyone. I've been very happy. Well, that's the point. They're all the same. There's, there's like, is there really any differentiation across these operators? I mean, what I've been so happy with T-Mobile, and I was so worried initially about moving off of AT and T, and I, it's been a non-event. I mean, maybe that's another part of Apple's problem. There's not differentiation in the underlying operators to get people to switch to get them to yes. make, get a new phone. Like, there's just no reason to switch. You're already paying. You're already in your two to three year payment plan. Churn is low, economy's weak, nothing really that incremental on the phone. Like, so you're not bullish on Apple, Walt. Like, let's get to the takeaway. I mean, the market, it's been the last kind of holdout in the market. And I think even from a macro standpoint, you look at it, it's, it's, you know, first of all, is there any safe place to hide? No, but it's all relative. If you're at a hedge fund long short, um, is Apple a relative outperformer or underperformer? I mean, in some or... cases, it's a relative outperformer only because it's effectively a meme stock, right? It's the stock that people buy because it's that's what they know, right? So even if they miss, I mean, it's its own version of a meme stock, right? Where people buy it because like it's the big, it's it's the GE of its day, right? It is effectively the market to a certain extent at the moment. Perfect. So, but and I don't know. Look, and by the way, only place to hide, and and. and up to this point, the stock's down whatever five percent in the last two days. Five, down six percent today. Ain't, that doesn't feel like a good place to hide, yeah. right? So but the, the issue is like, okay, so it's a little soft. So in the old days, if a, if a high flying tech stock is a little soft, you get crushed. But like, you know, maybe not because it's not like it's going to fall. They're still generating shit tons of free cash flow. They still have very loyal customers. This is still good. They're adding incremental services, right, in revenue. So it's still a quality company. And that's why, regardless of valuation, everything I said, like, Brandon, it ends up being like, what else are you going to buy? What are you going to buy? So relative outperformer. Verizon Verizon used to be the safety stock. It's now trading at a 12 to 13% free cash flow multiple. So you would have thought that a 10% free cash flow yield, not multiple, sorry. Yeah, yield. Yield, sorry. You would have thought that at a 10% yield, like, oh, recurring revenue business, that should be a bottom, that safety, like when the market's getting crushed, Verizon should be up. What's Verizon doing today? Oh, it's down 2.3%. <laughs> it's not like they're, where's, where is their safety? Where's their safety? 
Uh, the only thing that looks safe right now is Twitter because Elon's going to pay fifty four twenty. <laughs> Literally, the only stock holding up, and that's that's the new definition of safety is you're being acquired. Hopefully, all right. Let's slide, slide, slippity slide. So we got uh, slide front front office sports. Amazon Week Two Thursday Night Football matchup between Steelers and Browns averaged eleven million viewers, uh, according to Nielsen. A little bit more context. About nine million of those were, you know, a little over a million were from broadcast. So the sort of Amazon number was nine versus I think it was like a little over 10 in week one. So still a, a surprisingly good number. But that's not why we have this in the podcast this week. The, the interesting stat was actually from Sports Media Watch that said, excluding Christmas, the first two games on Amazon are the highest rated Thursday night games in adults 18 to 34 in nearly three years. And, and that just sort of stunned me because if I'm the NFL, I'm trying to engage younger fans and get people who wouldn't have normally watched an NFL game to watch. And the fact that Amazon's attracting a much younger audience than broadcast TV, it, it's sort of obvious, I guess, that it, that streaming would bring in a younger audience. But the fact that it's actually happening has to be very encouraging to the NFL. Yeah, and it's just it's not just the subset of football viewers that is still translating onto streaming it streaming is expanding the universe of viewers to the younger demos that's the important takeaway i think there where does this demographic data come from because how accurate is this where did you say that was from i missed that those were Nielsen. So those were Nielsen stats sort of slicing. I, mean, I, think, I think I've given you shit about this in the past. Don't you? And some days when you say Nielsen's bad and then other days when it fits the narrative, you use the data. Like, so which is it in this case? I mean, the data is terrible. Walt, I, I say it all the time. Facts just tell us what we want them to. <laughs> it's, it's David Burns best lyric. <laughs> uh... Yeah. Is I everything just I just, I just have you? a hard I just have a hard a time believing that like you put football on Amazon which doesn't seem like a young person's place to like if you said like hey I'm going to put it on YouTube because my kids are on YouTube all the time and that moved the demographic I would get it I don't know this one just doesn't feel this one I'm not sure this one passes the sniff test. No offense, NFL. I think it's great if you can get more people to watch. My kid is actually watching more but only because the Eagles are actually somewhat decent right now but um I don't know that I'm going to call, I'm going to push back on that stat a little bit. The other thing, Rich, is I think what we're increasingly seeing, well, maybe we can go to the next slide because this probably relates more to baseball is like how many people are really watching sports period. Oh, Bob Iger is, this is a tweet from Bob Iger. <laughs> Who's well, actually, old? I, I, let me read this. Tweet. Iger is old, bro. Let me read this tweet. And then I have a, a very quick question and then I'll turn the floor back to you guys. Okay. Bob Iger tweets, I've been a Yankees fan all my life and watched Maris hit his 61st on TV 61 years ago. So exciting to see Aaron Judge, he's using his Twitter handle, hit his 61st home run tonight. This is an American League. Um, my question is, do you think Bob Iger actually watched the full Yankees game to, to watch him hit that home run? Brandon's yes. nodding yes for our podcast yeah. listeners. I mean, I, I watch. I'm calling bullshit. I'm calling bullshit. I think okay. he was um, turned on ESPN because ESPN flashed to the game and did a live feed of every time Judge went to bat, ESPN cut to it. So I bet he watched on ESPN when the cut in happened. Base, if you're a baseball fan, the story, the story, and how it unfolds. Okay, here we and, go. Here and we it, go. And is told is a big part of it. 
I was watching two baseball games simultaneously last night. I had that the Mets typical. on. That sounds like a normal experience. That that what happens a lot of places that people I mean, are watching two baseball when, games. When you're when you're down, no. But when you're down to I the wish wire, we had I wish we had like the the thing ah, 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 like you know we, 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 need, <laughs> no. we need some like bullshit sound that comes out. <laughs> well, there's no bullshit. bullshit there's no bullshit. Well, Mark, did Marco attest to it because yes. I was messaging him what was going on. I believe you did in the, in the Braves normal. Washington game at the same time I was watching the Mets game last night because the teams were tied with seven games left to go in the season. The winning the division is very meaningful this year and if you have baseball in your blood you you watch the story unfold and it's not slow to you the problem is that baseball isn't in the blood of younger generations anymore because the game doesn't fit how younger demos like to experience uh, media and entertainment and the world in general but I, th- I don't call bullshit on somebody who is a deeply devoted baseball fan watching the entire game. Like, look at the poetry of of what he even tweeted. 61 homers, 61 years ago. Exactly. Right? That's it. Like, there's... I can only hope that baseball. maybe Kara Swisher or someone asked them at some point if he actually watched the game so so we can settle this. We can... We can you might be right. He might have watched the game, but I just don't know if people in general... I mean, remember, there was all this hype after our podcast was recorded on Friday because Apple TV was gonna was going to um, play the Friday game, and this was not going to be on the uh, linear television or via Yes Network. It actually drew the ire of the uh, the Attorney General of New York, Letitia James, who, by the way, as an aside, was the same Attorney General that led the failed lawsuit to try and uh, break up the Sprint T-Mobile merger. Um, similarly, she she tweets out um, in terms of a failed tweet, or in that case, court case, that's the connection there I was saying, failed, that that saying like Apple Sheet TV should let yes broadcast this because all these people paid all this money for their broadcast television. So as a result, they should be able to watch um, the Yankees game. Rich, thoughts on that? Well, it's just sort of comical of, first of all, she didn't even realize that Apple wasn't charging. Like you didn't have to be an Apple TV plus $4.99 a month subscriber. You just had to have the Apple TV app, which is available on not just on Apple devices, but on Samsung TVs and Roku (laughs) device. I mean, sort of there was no barrier. It was, you know, she wants it only, she wanted it only on a service that costs $100 plus a month versus essentially on any platform that consumers already had available to them as long as they had broadband. And it was just <laughs> sort of a complete lack of understanding of uh, of how television works, but also just sort of Apple paid for this game. Like, I mean, they paid for games just like, I mean, just like Netflix pays for content that Netflix doesn't put the last episode of Stranger Things doesn't put it on linear TV so the whole world can watch it because everyone, you know, deserves to be able to watch it. I mean, the the whole concept was so bizarre that the attorney general, like an elected official, that this is what they're chiming in on. um, It's just baffling to me, like literally baffling. So we have this other tweet below it. So I I, I can't believe that the government doesn't know everything about media and technology <laughs> it's like we've i, never th- seen I thought they were it's, so it's, well informed no, in their I, policy making you're the right, scary Brandon. the Basically. scary part about it is 
we can see these follies because we're deep on, you know, on TMT, all the other policies that they make that we're uneducated about. Imagine <laughs> how badly, well, what, how badly informed what, those what go, are. Yeah, exactly. Point. What goes yeah. on there, especially ones that are even much more conceptually difficult than like a television, right? <laughs> it's disturbing. <laughs> Go ahead, yeah, Walt. No, <laughs> I, I think that was well said. We should just leave it there. Yes, that is disturbing. Don't even get me started. <laughs> uh, okay, let's move on to the next topic. Brandon, why don't you read this one? Because this is uh, pretty amazing, too. This is from Todd Spangler. Spangler. David Zaslov tells Warner Brothers Discovery staffers, quote, we are not for sale. Then it, there's a link and a dot, dot, dot. I think the dot, dot, dot is get, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's pretty funny. I, I mean, look, it, this, this deal just closed. And I mean, obviously, the stock has been cut in half. I mean, I still remember Walt asking me, this is back when AT&T still owned it. And we were looking at sort of like, what could be the stub and how low could the stub go? And we were talking sort of about, I think we were talking about low twenties. Well, I think we were talking like 22, 23. And, you know, now you've got, you know, where, where's WBD trading today? Did it hit? Uh, I think it's like somewhere around 11. Yeah. 1154. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, it's at essentially half of where we thought. Now, obviously earnings have come down a lot. You know, economy has weakened. Outlook for their core business has weakened. So there, there's no doubt that there are real problems for for why the stock is down. But the fact that you're already trying to instill or you know, improve morale by saying at an all hands that we're not for sale. Did someone just, ask the question or was this just proactively offered? No, it sounds like there was an all hands sort of across, it was an all hands Zoom. I think to basically instill confidence in, in the company because there's been obviously a bunch of articles that Comcast is going to buy them or there's something, you know, that something's about to happen. Well, Comcast uh, given, is going to try and buy them in a couple of years. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I think, you know, Zaslov has been sort of the master of putting more pieces together. So I wouldn't be surprised if Zaslov's the buyer of more assets over time. That's one uh, way to, to poison pellet. Yeah, look, he, he bought scripts. You know, if you think about it, um, that was a great a better deal. business than just, but it was a better business than discovery. Mm-hmm. He has now bought Warner media, which is definitely a more interesting, broader, diverse business than discovery. So the, the MO or the track record has certainly been to accumulate assets, to improve the overall profile. Now, obviously the debt in this case is sort of the underlying problem, but he certainly has figured out ways to buy things to improve the overall asset mix. And I wouldn't be surprised if we continue to see that. There's going to be more consolidation in the sector, you yeah, know, 100%. especially in a weak economy. So maybe they're not for sale, but they're certainly M&A is certainly likely over the next two years, to, to your point. This, Rich, was one takeaway from one meeting. Um, yeah. You know, we know very well it's all in potentially how you ask the question. So theoretically, uh, our good friend David Zaslov could be on Lightshed Live and we could ask him like, Dave, you know, if. X company bid you Y dollars for Z asset within your portfolio or the entire thing. Would you take it? And I would guess that he's the type of guy that would be like, yeah, you know, like, you know, everything at its price, right? I mean, it's not, no one ever, you have a fiduciary responsibility to entertain the monetization of an asset, particularly if it's underperforming. So by definition, 
everything is for sale if you're if you're a CEO of a public company because you have a fiduciary duty to evaluate Ooh. different well, paths. Well, not not really in the media world. That's actually not true in most of the companies that Brandon and I look at because they are controlled companies, right? I mean, yes, is you have a, a fiduciary company? to look at it. No, this is not. And so I think okay. that's wow. the point. This company certainly does have that fiduciary responsibility. And look, it's why well, everyone has a fiduciary responsibility. There, yeah. it is just the level of diff, yeah, the level of difficulty yeah. in in making a transaction actually happen. But more importantly, it's just one quote out of one, in one scenario. Like, look, consider the audience. Like, he's dealing with his employees. An employee doesn't want to doesn't want to think that they're going to go through yeah. another M and A process. Yeah. Another right. is is the key. I mean, yeah. the next deal will be the third deal in however many years. Do you like and how I said it, that, that it's, it's inevitable? Third, yeah, but it's not even just the third <laughs> deal. Remember, there was a two-year process of getting the last deal done, right? You know, in terms of the AT&T deal. So the employees that are, have been there the whole time have gone through this gut-wrenching process. And all the turnover. managers. All the turnover that happens and you have to rebuild teams from scratch. Those teams have to get to know each other and learn how to build together. It's 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 not how you win it's <laughs> you want there's a real one, there's a real cost to m&a there's a real friction that it generates and people always think about all of these deals and stuff in theoretical terms but the practical and the theoretical don't always cross anyway this is from jessica tunkel scoop some have wondered if netflix will move toward licensing more versus buying outright could this be the first sign? Netflix changes the way it pays for some stand-up comedy specials. Rich, take it away. Well, you've got, you know, what people have complained about. I, I was actually at a retreat for Sister, which is Liz Murdoch and um, Stacey Schneider's um, production company. Uh, actually, it's multi, kind of a, a, a real multi-platform media company, but one of the things that they were talking about, and I think a hot topic throughout all of Hollywood right now is Netflix never leaves the back end. They want to own everything. Cost plus, they pay a 15 or 20% premium for the content, whatever the cost of it is, and there's no back end. And so what this article is sort of signaling is, hey, on comedy specials, which are a very low cost, relatively small part of overall Netflix. No, but Netflix not that now, low cost on a per hour basis. Aren't they, aren't they like they $50 million dollars per hour? Wasn't that like Netflix's big money ball revelation that they could get more bang out of a, you know, one hour comedy special than they could out of a movie? They have certainly spent a lot of money. I'm just saying in the, in the scheme of a $17 billion yeah. content budget, yeah, yeah. you know, and, and everyone's now trying to extrapolate, well, you know, if they're willing to do this on comedy, are they willing to do this on a broader basis? And does this signal a key shift in strategy? And my guess is I doubt it. I don't, you know, it's it's one thing with comedy, um, you know, where, where, you know, first of all, I think they're playing around. They're certainly trying to cut costs a little bit right now. And yeah, do sort of I think that's actually, spend. that's the biggest takeaway of this whole thing. They're figuring out ways to cut costs. And they were probably way overpaying for these comedy specials relative to whatever anyone else would pay for them anyway. So what was the point of going on that way? And they probably had very little use to Netflix after the initial airing. I think that's the takeaway from this. 
Right. How important was having Chappelle in 10 years versus for them having something like Stranger Things forever? I think there's just a fundamental difference. Maybe I'm overthinking this, but that's sort of the way. I don't think so. The library value. So I I, I don't think I mean, I think Jessica's got an interesting thought in in how she wrote it. But I'd be surprised if this is a broader strategy for Netflix. But the other agree, piece I agree slide. with that, except for the cost cutting component, which they've been clear on. They're going to try and Correct. get more efficient in how they spend on content. Well, then we've got Lucas Shaw's got ex TikTok Disney executive Kevin Mayer calls concern about the Netflix stumble, quote, a bit overstated. It's still growing, he said. Even if it weren't, there are tens of billions in content purchases being made around the world. Now, remember, Kevin now is rolling up production companies, Brandon. Yeah, right? he's talking so, his book. That's all. <laughs> right. Now, you know, I think it is important to realize that, you know, Netflix is still, you know, they, they're they they're going to add subscribers over the next year. I think the sort of the gloom and doom that sort of streaming is over is absurd. And I think our next slide actually does the best job of it, which um, I actually think Walt should introduce just because he can add some context personally about one of the shows. Dahmer. <laughs> yeah, what, what are you hell? saying? What are you saying about Jesus. him? Lucas Shaw. A resident serial tweet. killer. <laughs> a resident serial killer. Oh, amazing. Seems like Lucas Shaw tweets. Seems like Ryan Murphy has his first bona fide hit for Netflix. Dahmer is number one in dozens of countries. But what I think Rich was trying to say <laughs> poorly was... Uh, this graph for our podcast listeners that shows a red line reflecting Andor, which is a Star Wars um, film on, or excuse me, content show on D plus. And then they showed uh, Dahmer, which is, is like a vertical line on the, on this graph. Yeah. So Dahmer is far outperforming Andor from September. I guess this is 16th through. Well, they, launched la- they both launched last weekend. They both yeah. launched last weekend. So and Dahmer is, fa- is far outperforming because, look, true crime, the ID channel it was, I mean, Zaz loved to brag about this, the number one channel on TV for women. People and men like, like serial killers, too. Well, think making of a murderer, too. I mean, that was a documentary, but that was a pretty big show. But I, look, that's not why I brought up this slide and wanted Walt to read it. I think the question is. Why is Andor not performing? Like, what is going on with Star Wars? I haven't seen it, so I, I wouldn't. I can't um, provide. And why, Rich? I know you're already very anxious to say why, because you're such a yes. Star Wars lover. Well, first That's of all, what I want to know because, and we didn't talk about this in the sports thing, which we should have, because I'm one of, I think, not the majority of humans that find the NFL to be the best content on the planet. And the reason I say that is because I think. Sometimes we overestimate the number of people that care about sports in terms of, you know, their TV bundle. Uh, But secondly, um, I'm really enjoying HBO Max and watching um, the Dragons. And I think my guess is that the ratings for that continue to rise. Um, I've got some criticism from my friends that can't follow the story. I don't know why that's an issue. It's pretty simple. Like, maybe they have ADD. You have a king. Well, the king's gonna don't die give it away, Walt. <laughs> I mean, it's the most. Well, no, basic, no, but it's the but, most basic but, plot there could be. Anyway, the point is, I'm busy watching that. Rich, so I don't have time for Andor. Sorry, Disney. Well, 
Well, I want to go back to the point you and just everyone made, else is watching baseball. <laughs> well, that, that, that is factually not true, but that was well played. Oh, that's so good. That was well played. But 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 we actually got one of the largest um, VMVPDs mentioned to us the other day that less than fifty percent of their subscribers, and they have millions of subscribers, less than fifty percent of their subscribers watch Sunday afternoon football, and it, that just really surprised me because I think we sort of think of like if you have like a you know, YouTube TV, Hulu Live, Fubo, like if you have these subscriptions, you're a diehard sports fan. And the reality is, even on these services that sort of market themselves as sports focused, the viewing is just far more diverse. Like people like the cheaper price, people like the ease of use. And it's not just all about football, even though I think, or even sports, like the way we think it is. Well, maybe I know that may Ven, be hard to Ven, believe. Maybe, maybe it's just that the Venn diagram mm. of NFL and Star Wars and <laughs> is <laughs> it's the same type of viewer, and that maybe that's having an impact. The on, cable on bundle has what's most fundamental to its lasting power is inertia more than anything else. It has the ultimate inertia because people have been locked into it for so long that getting away from it is uncomfortable. That's the number one thing that the bundle has going for it. And the second is sports and the third is news. I mean, that inertia, Brandon, you overlay that with the the slowdown and subgrowth in some of these streaming services. You got to wonder maybe if some of the, the declines in those TV subscriptions are going to slow as you head into 2023. What year is it now? 2022, 2023. <laughs> So yeah. if our growth rate is what high single digits at the moment, yeah. I don't know. Like if you if you think about how those things play out, unless it's just one of these things that it's so goddamn expensive to stay in the bundle. Well, that's the that's what we'll see in this recessionary period yeah. when people are actually forced to do things that are uncomfortable to them to cut costs because they really need the money. I mean, so, so the, then the question is: Are you gonna if you're gonna cut costs? You have that box that's been sitting in your house, giving you whatever you know program you've had forever, and and maybe you're that marginal D plus customer. Which one are you going to cut first, D plus or the box? Like I don't know. Like historically, we would have all said like cut the box and add more services, but I don't know, Rich. There there could be a situation here where those those streaming services are going to be the easy trims for people to make before they go through the hassle of getting rid of their home television package. Or maybe it's a bit of both, right? Because if you shift from a, you know, if you shift from a, a Comcast or Charter subscription to a YouTube TV, the, the beauty of it, right, is you can pause it, right? Like you don't have to be a YouTube subscriber all year. You can sign up for a few months. You can put it on pause. You can sign, like the flexibility of going on and off. Sure, but there's a economy. subset of people that can actually handle that. And to, to Brandon's That's point, true. the inertia of the legacy, like at some point you get down to those inert, um, you know, regular cable like my that, parents that don't want to do the 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 YouTube TV. I, look, I don't want to do. It like, always com- I, it always comes back to Lois. It always comes back. Uh, to well, what about me? I, I I haven't moved to YouTube TV. I could theoretically do that and really dial down mm-hmm. down my Direct TV. I've been putting it off, putting it off, waiting for Sunday Ticket to move to Apple or Amazon before I do it. It's not like it's easy to do. Like, yeah, once you get there, it's fine. But people yep. have multiple TVs, multiple platforms. It's like it's just you know, it's a hassle. Look at My, wireless. I mean, like people totally. don't want to move off of wireless. It's inertia. Totally. The the only thing I would say to that is outside of football, mm-hmm. most of the content that people increasingly want to watch 
that is high profile isn't even available on that box. And that's yeah, sort of the problem. But, that's, but just- the thing with inertia is, Rich, I'm, I'm telling you, my parents don't have a lot of money. OK, they do not watch anything on the cable bundle anymore. If I talk to my parents and ask them what they're watching, they'll name like five shows. They're on like HBO Max or on Netflix, whatever else. But they won't get rid of the cable bundle because that's a security blanket for them. So they can watch the storm coverage of a hurricane. By the way, nothing better than Jim Cantori. <laughs> I knew that. Hold, was gonna hold on, holding on, holding to the on. Tray. dude. Hit some of what he was what he was doing yesterday was absurd. He's like, I am now standing in 150 mile an hour winds, and then he's like literally getting knocked over. And standing up, and it was like over and over again. Wasn't Jim Cantore the guy that was sitting in the boat while someone was <laughs> getting Cantore. flooded, and then people like walked behind him, and it was like actually just ankle deep water? Remember that? That I don't remember. <laughs> it was like a setup. Well, you could see all the shots yesterday that they did. They would purposefully like put all these like down palm tree leaves yeah. right around the, Spread them the around. person yeah who was on and then when they do a pan out shot there would be no other down palm tree right. leaves like anywhere else because <laughs> they've blown away rich what's uh, next <laughs> go ahead walter the new york times oh god really the new york times oh is, is mark not allowed to include the new york times the, anymore well i mean it's obviously it's better than cnet it's better than cnet <laughs> For our podcast listeners, consider the source. This comes from the New York Times. TikTok and the Biden administration have drafted a preliminary deal to resolve national security concerns posed by the Chinese-owned app as the platform negotiates to keep operating in the U.S. without major changes to its ownership. So what's what's going to happen here? I mean, first of all, smart on them to try and be proactive to stay there. But I don't know, like the freight train seems like it's kind of barreling forward here. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it just there's so much mixed messaging, like we're hearing, you know, you've got, you know, so many different people, senators, members of the House, obviously Carr at the FCC, like you've just had lots of different organizations sort of being more proactively critical of TikTok. And yet, certainly the Biden administration just seems, you know, at the top, seems far friendlier to TikTok than than people realize. Like it just doesn't feel like it's going away as much friendlier as... or inert. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, since inert is the no, word that's of the podcast. No, no, no. I you made me pause. I wasn't inert. expecting you to say that. I think it's inertia. The inability to do anything. Yeah. No, I mean I it, it is sort of inert crazy. inactive. <laughs> Let's just leave it there. <laughs> that was Walt's, you know, <laughs> weekly Republican plug. Okay, we've I'm got just, a video. To I, play I, I, thought that was a def- is... I thought that was a defense of Biden. Wasn't it? That he wasn't <laughs> being friendly to the Chinese. I was trying to help him out. <laughs> we will link to this video in the show notes that we send around, but we're going to play a quick Hulu advertisement. This is an ad that Hulu's been running that Mark on our team spotted. Um, that is amazing. So we're going to play this clip. Here's the problem, team. Nobody knows what Hulu Plus Live TV is. Yeah, it comes with over 75 live channels with sports like NFL games, plus Hulu's entire streaming library. Plus Disney Plus, plus ESPN Plus. What if we change the name? Give me something. No bad ideas. Let's go. Super Hulu. Bad idea. Hulu Bold. No. Hulu Plus Live TV Plus. Yeah, everybody's kind of doing the plus thing after the name. What do we call it? Hulu Plus Live TV Plus Plus Plus. You're saying three pluses? That's what you're saying? 
That's dumb, but we're going to go with it. The, the reason that was so amazing and we played that clip for our, for our listeners or watchers is we've had um, two things happen in this week already. We've had Epics, which is the now owned by Amazon as part of the MGM acquisition. Epics is re- being rebranded as MGM Plus in January 2023. And then Lionsgate announced that Stars Play, which is the international version of Stars. Uh, I never knew why it wasn't just called Stars Overseas, I guess, to, to prevent confusion with Star, which is Hot Star, which is Disney. But Stars Play, the global streaming service, is being rebranded as Lionsgate Plus in 35 countries. Like Because anyone knows what the fuck Lionsgate is in 35 countries? I don't know 35 I, people who have ever heard <laughs> of what Lionsgate is. <laughs> Forget about 35 <laughs> countries. <laughs> Oh, we need a laugh track. We definitely need a laugh track. We got to work um, on that. At least on this Epics thing, like no one knew what the fuck Epics was anyway. So MGM, yeah, MGM Bond. I think people like, know the Lion for yeah, sure. And, the, and the then you'll have is, is iconic. Yeah, and then you'll have like sports bettors who think it's like a sports betting service and might accidentally opt in, and then inertia will take them oh, to continue God. their subscription for another six classic. months. That is classic. <laughs> Um, but the other piece of this tweet is Alex Sherman saying morning scoop sources tell me Lionsgate's now leaning towards spinning its studio business and selling a stake in that instead of stars stars would be the remain coast. So the, the question here is they tried to sell, they've been trying to sell stars, right? Like they, they tried to sell all of Lionsgate several years ago. They passed on a 4175 bid from Hasbro I think there's been sort of regret not doing that deal ever since from Lionsgate. Stock is obviously single digits now. They've been trying to sell or spin off stars. They don't seem to be able to do that. Now they're going to spin off the movie studio. The question is... They're just like, well, anyone invest in any piece of this business, please. Anything and everything is up for grabs and no one wants stars. So now please take a piece of Lionsgate. By the way, Rich, can you name any Lionsgate films? John Wick. Okay, good. What about you all? No. Hunger Games. Lionsgate. I thought Lionsgate where there was like TV MA like add-ons that HBO used to have years ago. Is that Lionsgate or is that something no. else? No. <laughs> no. That's mature um, audiences. That's what I'm referring to in case that wasn't clear. No, that, that was Skinamax. I thought Lionsgate was that, like that was the content of Lionsgate. No, 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 no. no. Okay, Lionsgate. I'm wrong. I, I mean, um, it just underscores brand. I think, I think the brand equity issue might might rear its ugly head here. Look, Lionsgate's clearly trying to lean into this consolidation of content companies. You know, we had Kevin Mayer, you know, who's obviously a candle media who's been rolling up. Obviously, uh, Peter Chernin now TCG has what is it called? North Road rolling up production companies. So th- there is definitely a broad theme of content roll ups that Lionsgate is trying to lean into. The question is a splitting off and creating two companies. I don't think Lionsgate, the film company, can support a lot of debt. And so it, it's not clear unless, you know, the, the movie studio isn't worth that what, much. They, the they don't have predict, predictable positive EBITDA, Rich? Well, not even that. They don't have predictable free cash flow, which I think is really sort of the problem. And so I don't know how much I don't know how much of a deleveraging event this is, or I don't know how much value putting them in two pieces really creates. You take a minority investment in the movie studio, and I don't know if that creates 
Yeah, I don't know if it creates a great public company stock if there's going to be a you know a new public equity for the film studio. I just think it's hard, especially in a world where the film studio business is under so much pressure. Box offices, you know, down. It looks like it's going to finish Q3 down over you know, right around thirty percent in Q3 year to date down. Call it yeah, but all that demand for streaming content. Don't forget, like Lionsgate. All kidding aside, now if you if you go back, weren't they Mad Men? Lionsgate has some great libraries. Oh, of, of um, Orange, oh, is, Orange the is the new Orange is the new Black. Is the new Black TV. Been, <laughs> I mean, look, Star Stars has. I mean, look, Stars has the Power franchise um, that has been incredibly powerful for pun intended, but it's been you know yes. really powerful for them. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff. It, it's just a matter of you know th- this. I'm surprised with the switcheroo because I could certainly see how stars with a substantial investment would have really gone a long way towards deleveraging and sort of creating value. I, yeah, I but here's the, here's the, the problem, Rich. We talk about all of these companies um, or all of these streaming services, Paramount Plus, Peacock, et cetera, et cetera, and how, <laughs> Peacock, cock, and how much money they are losing and needing to burn in order to build you know, that core yep. subscriber base and no, like stars is the X player to the game. That's trying to expand beyond what they have in their kind of core demo, which is, you know, they have a nice little business, but like who wants to invest into those streaming wars right now in a player that's behind everyone else. It's a tough ask. Well, well, I think the question is, is, this is clearly setting up for, hey, we couldn't sell the whole thing. Now let's put the two pieces and let's hope both pieces get acquired over time. Like, I think that's the play here. I just, again, I, the market doesn't seem to love it. I don't think there's clear how how this creates substantial value. It just, it's, I think you're right, Brandon. This is showing how difficult it is in this environment. The market doesn't like anything right now. <laughs> that's true. Oh, that's, that's fair. That's what my PA is saying. The market <laughs> flashing red lights right now. Um, uh, why, don't, why don't you read the second piece first, Brandon? Because I think you do need to take a little sort of credit for calling sort of this turn in. in no, nah, I mean, I, I'm not the one who should take the credit. I think uh, Triple H should take the credit for this. But this is from Wrestling Ops Smackdown last Friday night, pulled in a whopping 2.535 million viewers. That's the highest number the show has attained since 2020. Content is moving in the right direction. We saw it first with Raw, which was kind of, you know, more of an apples to apples situation. On SmackDown, they had some markets that were preempted by Friday Night Football during the preseason. So you didn't see um, the the movement as quickly. But, you know, Raw and SmackDown ratings are going in the right direction. This is a company that is going to start a process to license Raw and SmackDown in the U.S., which is really the vast majority of their EBITDA at this point in probably April, and they need ratings up. If ratings are up, the stock's probably going to work. And to those renewals, um, this is from John Oran. WWE signs a big Australian deal with Foxtel. Foxtel will be WWE's exclusive home in the country. That's Australia. Foxtel's binge will stream premium live events. All WWE Network goes to binge and Foxtel will launch WWE TV channel this year. So this is a hybrid deal where they're getting 
the you know uh, uh, Raw and SmackDown um, rights and all the pay-per-view rights now that the WWE network, which was kind of dissolved domestically is moving to, for the same thing to happen internationally. One thing just replicating the peacock and structure overseas. Like that's that's, what they're doing all over the world now. Yes. But one thing I think that's interesting about this is, as you know, Ron Smackdown comes up a couple of years ahead of the renewal for, you know, the pay-per-views does WWE look to make them coterminous and bundle them in the U.S. and use some of the leverage that they have over NBCU because the pay-per-views have been working so well to do um, a bigger, broader deal in the U.S. with at least Raw? Look, there was so much skepticism around this content. Just a little bit of inflection. I mean, you know, we talk about it sort of like yeah, there Disney, was- right? Like. Disney content's been suffering lately. We were just making fun of, you know, and or like the media companies are always, everything comes down to the content, right? Like at the end of the day, if the content isn't working, it is very hard for stocks to perform, you know, no matter what the larger, you know, trends are. Content is always, you know, I don't want to say content is king, but the content has, the flat flywheel has to be spinning. And I think for WWE, it's like we're, I think a lot of investors have just sort of given up on the content and I don't think they're paying attention. Well, there's a major, well, first of all, the stock's performing, right? Um, And that's even, we saw some of the event people come out of the stock a little bit. And now the stock is, you know, outperforming once again. I think investors are taking notice of some of this. But you think people are buying it because of this or they're buying it because they think it's for sale? No, I think people had bought it because it was for sale. And I think some of those people as word is kind of spread that this thing is probably not, you know, necessarily for sale in the near term. That doesn't mean once they get into these licensing deals in April, May, that, you know, someone doesn't make them a crazy fucking offer. I don't think they want to sell if gun to head though. Um, But yeah, the content's going in the right direction. Ratings are going in the right direction. If you can, Compare it to Disney and some of these other places. The difference here is you have a brand new head of creative in charge that has been able to single-handedly reshape what the content looks like. You don't have that necessarily at Disney. So I don't know what the gets the content kind of um, reinvigorated at Disney. Maybe it's Black Panther 2, but the running time on that just came out. It's like, what, two two hours and like 38 minutes? I don't know who the fuck wants to sit in a movie theater for that long. Certainly not me, because I have ADD. I don't think you do either, because you can't even get through a podcast without being on your phone the whole time. So I, I don't I don't know. Uh, I can sit through a movie that long, especially if it's Black <laughs> Panther 2. Uh, maybe they need to get Richard Plepler back in the mix. That guy makes good content. Yeah, well, he's Blackbird. doing a great job for us. Check out Blackbird. But Brandon, I, I called a little bit of an audible here and I brought in because I, I wanted to sort of frame the length of time before the rip here. So wh- why don't you sort of frame this? But I, I added a piece to the slide that you should take a look at. Um. Okay. Tom Warren, breaking. Google is closing down its Stadia Cloud streaming service. The service will remain live until January 18, 2023. Google is refunding all Stadia purchases. Full details here. And the one you put under it was from November 19th, 2019, which was less than three years ago. Stadia launches today. Um, 
bottom line with Stadia is the experience didn't add any real value above and beyond buying a console. And so we can't get rid of the console. Like we're just never getting rid of the console. We can't I'm not, take the game. I'm, no, I'm, I'm not saying that. Okay. But if you buy a console, right, then you are also getting the kind of exclusive titles to those services. Stadia had absolutely no content strategy. The only thing you got from it was the ability to maybe play the same games and purchase those games as you were able to play on Xbox or PlayStation minus the exclusives, right? And it may work almost as well. That I mean, that's really what you were getting. The subscription component to what they were doing, there was no real great content there. And that shows you why for Xbox, they've got gone really headlong into adding first-party um, exclusives to their streaming service and why they're out there buying Activision. It's not because they want to keep Call of Duty fully exclusive, but because they want to add exclusivity to their streaming service to get people, give people a reason to subscribe. That That's it. Now, would something like Stadia work well in a country where it's too expensive for people to um to buy a console and and help yeah but in those countries they probably don't have the broadband infrastructure mm -hmm. that it takes that it requires to get stadia to work properly so the whole thing i just seems remember like it was not a well hold on rich idea. let me tell this story i want to hear it let's go walt well first of all as you know i play basketball every weekend yes i know you, because i get the alerts on my uh apple watch and you have to bring At a black you have to bring a black shirt and a white shirt so you know because we're we're getting on our years you have to know who's on what team one of the white shirts i bring every now and then is a google fiber shirt that rich and i got i don't know how many years ago in i Kansas. have one too but it's you great. know this is the story i was going to tell so we of actually course. literally have a the complete mind well, well i'll tell the story in can yeah. it was kansas city we went to the google yeah. fiber launch and this was going to change the world and one of the primary applications that they showed at the time was this like being able to game where you just had the handset connected to i guess the tv application that was there and this was Google Fiber. So here we are, how many years later? And and Fiber exists, and, and there's even more Fiber investment that's going out there. Our latency is quite good, three milliseconds. Even 5G is going to, at some point, promise you this little latency. But this is just another one of those apps. And by the way, now that I'm just riffing on this. You, like, you know who runs Google Fiber today? Uh, who's that, Rich? The CEO of Google Fiber is Denny Jane. I remember Denny. What was he COO at uh, at uh, Time Warner Cable? Inside first, well, Insight, Insight before, right, right. and then Time Warner Cable. But yeah, but the funny thing is, like, so this application, whatever it's called, didn't necessarily take off with given the fiber and the low latency that people had that way. And meanwhile, if you go, if you flip this to wireless, because I always have to bring it home to wireless. Do it. One of, the, one of the things about 5G is, oh, the low latency and you can do gaming without consoles. They can't even get adoption on it in their own fiber service that has like three milliseconds of latency. So why the fuck would anyone give a shit about it for 5G? <laughs> <laughs> like what? The bottom line on this, when Jade Raymond left um, Google, it, you knew this was over. 
because there was no original content plan, no first party content plan whatsoever. And it it, it was doomed to failure without speaking that. of speaking of over overwatch two we've got an ign <laughs> tweet nice set. new and old nice heroes set. come together in the overwatch two launch trailer filled with cinematics and gameplay overwatch two launches october 4th brandon i actually forgot that overwatch even exists like i remember when we were doing a dinner <laughs> a few years ago and people were talking about buying overwatch franchises and yeah sort of the east i don't think boom, but like i don't think that went too well for those <laughs> for those franchises no, no, but, I, but I, I honestly just even forgot like i mean I, I assume people are still playing overwatch like does overwatch still matter yeah i mean very few people are playing overwatch what's interesting about overwatch 2 um is that they're literally scrapping overwatch 1 all the players will be brought into overwatch 2 it is free to play and i think they're resetting so there's a you know, you only have access to some of the heroes. There's going to be new heroes. There's going to be a new game mode, a push mode um, in there. And they're going to try and re- reinvigorate the franchise in free to play. We have seen franchises reinvigorated through free to play recently. We've talked about it a couple of times in this podcast. So maybe something works. And then the PVE components, the um will launch sometime next year and that maybe gives them another catalyst none of this matters to investors though um it, unless it whether active, microsoft closes that's right so does my if microsoft closes this is probably going to not be that meaningful to microsoft investors and for activision investors it's obviously not going to be meaningful if it closes but if it um does not close if something does happen in europe then you know, this sort of reemergence of Blizzard through Overwatch 2 and then through Diablo are going to be critical to how uh, that stock performs on its own. Brandon, why are we talking about Netflix and gaming? I don't know, because Mark put the slide in, I guess. Well, why don't you read it? <laughs> Netflix announced its fourth internal studio and the first it is building from scratch instead of acquiring. Second tweet says Netflix rolls out gamer handles for mobile games designed to provide privacy, increase social interaction. Well, the reaction to the first one is it's very difficult to build a studio from scratch. So I wish uh, Netflix luck with that. The second one I think is actually pretty interesting is when Netflix first launched in games, our gut feeling on that was that they would do you know, sort of live in single player games and eventually expand into these sort of, you know, uh, like last of us type um, games that tell a story because it was similar to what was happening on the service, but it's clear that they want to get into multiplayer social games. And this is the first time that Netflix is really moving into um, to to social in any way i think and when you say multiplayer give me an example of a mobile social game like would you say like among us was a mobile social game that is that was a mobile social game but i'm really talking about anything that's multiplayer and the preponderance of of popular games now are multiplayer you could go through the top 10 on console not a mobile that's kind of you know a more that's what emerging I was getting at situ- is- situation but don't forget, Netflix is starting in mobile, but the ambition is to expand into PC and into console beyond. And I think that 
you know, social could be an important piece of making that happen. Well, it's interesting because Netflix fought really hard to have some video privacy acts rescinded years ago so that you could share your Netflix viewing with other people that you were friends with. And that obviously never mattered, right? Like, I mean, Reed was on the Facebook board and he was really focused on sort of the social aspect of Netflix to engage. And they totally scrapped that because nobody cared. And so Netflix is not a social service in any way. And so it's interesting that they're moving on gaming to be more social when the video part of the business has gone far, run far away from social over the last 10 years. I will say this. If you build a social graph somewhere, it generally is going to lower your overall churn rate. So perhaps. Oh, boy. Another one. (laughs) Why don't you read this one, Rich? Okay. Um, well, Kathy Hackle.eth. I hate people to have. I literally think, Mark, anyone who has .eth at the end of their name is banned from having a tweet on this podcast. Big day for my client, Walmart, and me and my team, Journey.World, Walmart Land, and Universal of Play are now on Roblox. After months of game development, creative thinking, and dedication, we've helped Walmart break new ground. And so Walmart launches two immersive experiences in the Roblox metaverse. And you basically, I, you know, I, I haven't played it yet. I guess I should this weekend, but I, I still don't really understand why consumers are going to go, you know, in this case, to a retailer's, you know, Roblox experience versus shouldn't Walmart be sort of integrating themselves into other people's Well, it depends, Rich. I think there's one big question. Is it going to be fucking fun? If it is yeah, fun and engaging, then people will go there. We haven't tried it out, so we don't know if it's fun. But we've also talked about the fact that if, you know, quote, the building blocks of metaverse or 3D interactive are going to take off, then brands are going to need a presence on the important platforms. The most important platform at this time is Roblox. So you see a scramble for brands to be a part of it. It only works, though, if you can engage and keep people bringing, keep bringing people back. So we'll see if that actually works. And if that does happen and brands do develop that muscle, then Roblox, then and only then can Roblox probably become a really good um, alternative advertising platform. And we'll see how that goes. I'm not that optimistic for their ad business in the short term, as most brands don't even have experiences at all on these platforms. But I think in the two to three year time frame, it could be interesting, especially if they make a key hire or two to uh, run ad sales and build the infrastructure. What's our next slide, Rich? Well, my speaking my TikTok, of my TikTok algo, just for the record, um, feeds me lots of content filmed inside Walmart where where Ooh. customers and salespeople get interviewed. And I find that <laughs> and I find that very, very, very entertaining. Very engaging. I'm not sure yeah. that's what Walmart is attempting to accomplish <laughs> in, <laughs> well, in Roblox, but for me it's entertaining. All, p- um, all PR is good PR. Who's speaking of not speaking of not optimistic, Walter. Uh, oh God, Tim Sweeney. Tim Sweeney tweets, uh, now Apple is killing all NFT app business. It can, can't tax, crushing another nascent technology that could rival its grotesquely overpriced in-app payment service. Apple must be stopped. Oh, God. But then it's just so good to juxtapose it against the other slide we have here. 
Uh, that's from Joe Wiesenthal. I think is is he at CNBC now? Formerly of Bloomberg, now at CNBC. I think I have that right. But just providing a stat provided by Dune Analytics, stating that trading volumes and NFTs are down ninety seven percent. Brandon, didn't you want Rich to buy one of those board? Yes, a board eight. And how is a board eight trading now? Like, what what does a board eight trade for today? Well, I, mean, I have no idea. It's all about the community, Rich. So these everyone. Rich, I really wanted you to find your community. Not me, <laughs> but you. In the board apes. <laughs> was that our final tweet? Because I think no, we, there's, no, 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 no we our, have one it was more. Not our final tweet. Well, we don't have we, one more. Not our I think final. We we, have, we, we have to address the breaking news that occurred while we were um, in in the midst of this about our good friends at Meta. Who are well, that's off. that's what? the last tweet we so we can integrate it. Mark oh. Zuckerberg is our last tweet. If Rich can actually bring it up, well, you that guys is are so hard. You guys are just mean to me. Like, and the podcast listeners know this that you guys are just not nice to me. And oh, like, I just they know it. Like, oh. you, you know, it's like Cable Town. Like for Comcast, like the K stands for kind. Remember that? <laughs> you know, from remember how that? are we not nice yeah. to you? You just need to be kinder. I think the kinder, nicer. Speaking, of, which, speaking of cable tan, did you see that um, the lead actor there had another child, his fifth child with Hilaria, and they named the child Elaria? Yes, I did. It, it, her name without the H, I thought was yes. hilarious. Elaria. Elaria. With an H. Hilarious. It like it's all 15th, working. 15th. Anyway, the tweet yes. for our podcast listeners from Darren Ravel is just in. Mark Zuckerberg's Little League baseball card sells for 120. I hope, by the way, that this baseball card selling for $120,000 occurred on our investment platform where where sports um, para, uh, portfolio. Items oh, was this are sold. what we mean? Was this part of Golden Auctions? I don't know whether this was a golden sale. I honestly don't know. We'll have to research well, that. I don't know that who would sold be, this. That would be nice. But the other news, Rich, is you know there was a lot of. Uh, Headlines on Meta announcing a hiring freeze. I hate it. We started this way with Apple and we're ending with Meta. Hiring freeze warns warns employees of restructuring. They're saying that the employee base is going to be lower. Not not a positive sign. Sorry to end on a sad note, but that's not no bueno. Well, I mean, the funny thing is, is that the legacy media nothing funny. Continue to- nothing funny about well, layoffs. No, 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 but they, but, but the, the, but the, 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 the crazy part is yeah, the TV companies continue to sort of not talk about layoffs or start talking about weakness in, in advertising. And the tech companies are dramatically scaling back. Like these are major cutbacks that are happening yeah, across which the board. is not something you typically see at these kind of tech companies in more difficult times they try and use it maybe they overhired a little bit maybe there was a little bit of overhiring for sure but this feels like they are battening down the hatches for a very challenging first half of 23 that we're not seeing out of a lot of the media companies but do you think this is economic because the the part of the headline is warns employees of restructuring is it economic or is it hey maybe this metaverse thing that we're planning on spending all this money for is not the best thing to spend that much money on I also think TikTok is, you know, TikTok is not getting banned. TikTok is literally clocking them every day and it's getting worse. So I think that may be part of it, too, is the pressure. The competitive pressure is something Meta has never faced before. It's just it's a real issue. 
I think that Mark just found this moment of clarity when he was wrestling with some of his buddies, acting out his um, MMA moves, and realized he did. But he did not rent out an MMA hiring. private event, though. At least we knew <laughs> that is true. What are we going out to, Brandon? What is this? What do you mean? This is the Coolio's number one song. And what movie was this from? It was uh, who was the actress that was in this? This is this is like the lead song for it. Gangsta's Paradise. But that might have been the name of the movie too, right? I don't know the movie, Brandon. Do we know the movie? I don't watch movies. <laughs> uh, Certainly not episode. if they're over two hours. Only <laughs> baseball. Dangerous, <laughs> dangerous minds. Not a great movie. Great song. Not have a great movie. Have a great Was that a Lionsgate movie? Would that might have no. been a Lionsgate movie? Can we look that up? <laughs> oh, Lionsgate, God. Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.